The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Thanks for letting me come and be here with you. I had the, the privilege to be a student here in the 90s, and I lived in Souter dorm. Anyone live in Souter? That's right. Really? We'll need to talk. I left a shirt in the second dresser. If it's still there, I'm going to need that. So that was a joke, so we'll open up with that. And, um, but no, I loved my time here at Cairn, had the opportunity to be a student here, and uh, as uh, Mark just mentioned just a moment ago, um, kept coming back here. Uh, loved the educational opportunities that are here, and our family is just highly involved with the ministry here. And one of the neat things uh, about being part of your student experience here, and maybe this is some of, something that some of you maybe even thought about even as this year was starting, particularly if, a, if you're a new student here, Whatever your life was prior to becoming a student here, you have the opportunity to start fresh. You have the opportunity to start over. Anyone enjoying that opportunity that the Lord gave you to just start over? Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I felt that way too when I, I came here as a student. I thought, you know what? This is a fresh start. This is a new season of my life, an opportunity for me to reset certain things. And the portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today talks about how the Lord facilitates that in our lives and how He helps us draw a line with our past. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 13 uh, down to right around verse 22, and we'll see how far we get into this today. I know I need to be sensitive to the time. But 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 13, this is what it states. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be, will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile." knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or, or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God." having purified your souls by your, your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us the, the privilege this morning to be able to look at the things that first Peter addresses here and the concepts that Peter addressed in this letter Specifically, Lord, with this idea of drawing a line with our past, we pray that you'd speak to our minds, speak to our hearts, and help us to know you deeply and sincerely. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So every one of us has a past. Each of us can recall aspects of our lives that have taught us lessons, uh, things that we've experienced that have brought us pain, or things that have maybe produced a sense of embarrassment in our lives. Uh, and knowing what you know now, I want you to just think about something for a second. Knowing what you know now, what would you do differently if you were given the opportunity to go back in time and do major stretches of your life all over? 
My list is very long. Your list might be long as well. There are a lot of things that I would do over, but yet the Lord's sovereign in the midst of it, and He makes great use of even, even our low moments. And one of the things that I enjoy about the portion of Scripture that we just read together is that the good news that is communicated to us here is that in Christ we have been made a new creation, and a line is drawn with our past. So through Christ, we are not who we used to be. We've been granted a new name. We've been granted a new identity, and our new name and our new identity is not anchored in our mistakes or our failures or our embarrassments or our old nature. Now, sometimes we still struggle with issues from our past that resurface again in the present. And when you look at this portion of Scripture, I think it's inviting us to wrestle with, all right, what kind of line am I supposed to be drawing with, with the past? Now that I'm in Christ, what kind of line should I be drawing? And, and how is the Holy Spirit empowering me to live no longer for myself, but for Christ? Well, Peter brings up a variety of things here, and I'll get through as many as I can during our time here. But one of the things he reveals to us in, in verse 13 of 1 Peter 1 is this. He tells us to set our hope uh, on the grace of Jesus Christ, to set our hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. Look again at that verse. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, when you're reading through the New Testament and you come across the letters that the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write down, his letters aren't very long compared to some of the other books of the Bible, but when you read through what he has to state, we realize that his letters are packed with very helpful counsel and very helpful content for believers of all eras, and in the midst of looking at the context that's shared in these particular passages that we're, that we're in right now, it becomes clear that, that Peter was a man of action. He wasn't the type of person that was just a theorist. Peter was a man of action. And one of the things that we know about him in his role of leadership in the early church was that Peter was someone who strongly encouraged believers to do something with their faith, not to just fill their minds with content, although that part's important too, but we're encouraged to now live that out, to do something with it. He wanted to see those who were under his pastoral care actually... <laughs> do something that involved them putting their faith into practice. But even in this brief section of, of Peter's letter that we're reading right now, we see Peter encouraging believers not to um, just do the right things in, in regard to their bodies, but also their minds. And so we see all aspects of life being addressed here. And this is helpful to notice because I think the actions that we commit with our hands have a direct connection into our thinking and, and what we allow our minds to dwell on. But when you look at what Peter says here, the counsel that we're given here as followers of Jesus Christ is to first of all prepare our minds for action. We're being challenged to not just be people who dwell in the muddy waters of theory and speculation, but to use our minds in an active manner. But as we well know, there are plenty of things that challenge or even inhibit us from using our minds in an active and healthy way. And when you look at what Peter says here, he says to be sober-minded. So what does that mean to be sober-minded? A sober-minded man is someone who yields their mind over to the control of the Holy Spirit, and as a result, their mind is disciplined, it's focused, and it's morally straight. 
Now, one of the things that uh, you'll experience, those of you that are, are preparing for pastoral ministry, is that people will ask you questions about all sorts of things that you don't expect them to ask you questions about, and they expect to hear an opinion. Now, I'm always happy to share an opinion, and uh, it really doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter what subject it is. I'm, I'm really happy to share an opinion of just about anything. But one of the things that I often get questions about are things along the lines of, of uh, my opinion of, of drugs or, or, or drinking or medicines or, or even hypnosis. I, got, like, I never thought when I went into ministry that I'd be getting questions about hypnosis. I thought, why do you think I'm going to have some sort of uh, detailed answer on hypnosis? Uh, one of the things I've also noticed that, that I, I hear from people all the time is, you know, how, how should I respond to my interaction with images online that are meant to arouse and I lump these things together because each of these things are things that I look at and I think for the most part, these are things that I, I try to avoid inviting into my life, meaning I have a standard. I lump things together that if they have the capacity to influence my mind or control my mind or steer me away from a clear focus on Christ, I don't want to ingest them or I don't want to dwell on them. I don't want to welcome them into my mind or into my life. And, and for me, it comes back to what Peter says here about being sober-minded, to be sober-minded. So instead of yielding our minds over to competing affections, you have Peter here encouraging us to be hopeful people. So that's the alternative. I mean, the world is constantly seeking to yield its mind over to, to affections that are unhealthy and unwise. But for us as believers in Christ, we have the opportunity to set our hopes on, on Christ. Our hope should be anchored in Christ, not in the things of the world. We can set our hope on the, on the uh, grace that Christ delights to bring into our lives. And I think it's particularly good counsel when something comes your way that has the capacity to control your mind in an unhealthy manner, or maybe even bring a depressive uh, aspect into your day-to-day -day life. Many of the things that, that people are using to either uh, alter their mind or get their mind off their problems, when you look at some of the things that they're inviting into their mind and into their life that are unhealthy and unwise and are steering them in a, uh, an unhealthy direction, the initial moment of doing that, it brings euphoria. And then the long-term consequence of that is depression. One of the things that I often counsel people with quite frequently is just depression. Now, I've gone through seasons of my life where I felt extremely depressed. I remember 10th grade being a year where I felt extremely depressed. I remember even several years ago as, as an adult in pastoral ministry, going through a stretch for like three or four months, I was trying to wrestle with why do I feel so depressed? I was just feeling like absolute garbage. And maybe you've had seasons like that in your life where you have felt that way as well. And there are many things that can contribute to a feeling of depression, many things that can, can ultimately cause us to, to lose our focus on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But one of the things that the Lord's been teaching me over the course of my life is to just be honest with Him and ask Him, have I invited something into my life that doesn't belong there? And is my conscience starting to be troubled about this, and now the fruit of this is starting to bear itself out in my life as some form of circumstantial depression? Is there something I need to confess? And I have to tell you, most of the time in my life, when I take the time to actually ask that question, the Lord shows me something. And I find myself saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going through a stretch here where I think I've started to set my hope on something that's less than you. And if I'm setting my hope on something less than you, I need to confess that and I need to repent of that. And I need to just bring it before you and ask you, Lord, to help me walk away from that.
And so here you have Peter encouraging us to be people who prepare our minds for action, to be sober-minded people who set our hope fully, not just partially, not just a little bit, not just a, a smidge, right? We're, we're to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, Peter goes on a little bit further here, and he tells us something that's extremely helpful to us. If you're somebody that's trying to draw a line with your past, if you're somebody that looks back over the course of your life and says, all right, that was what life was like for me during that season, but I'm not bringing that into this season. I don't want this to be the type of thing that I continue to dwell on. I don't want this to be the type of thing that continues to define my experience. You have Peter in verse 14 of 1 Peter chapter 1 telling us, don't conform to the passions of your old nature. Look at what he says in verse 14. It's, it's a brief verse, but he says this. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That's what he describes it as, the passions of your former ignorance. So you have Peter going into this spot here where he's challenging the readers of this letter in a very particular way. And he encourages us to start seeing ourselves in a new light. And specifically, we're reminded here that we are children of God who now have the privilege to live in obedience to the Lord. And when I read that, that's advice It seems very, very similar to the types of things that Jesus spoke when he was walking with Peter and the disciples uh, as they're kind of going around and they're talking. And I remember, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus is talking to these individuals, uh, giving them the great commission, remember what he says. It says in, in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 20 of, of Matthew 28, he says this. He says, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so, Peter's kind of echoing that same kind of thought here where he's basically teaching us that instead of living in obedience to our sin nature or the shameful ways of this world, we're encouraged to live as obedient children of God. The same thing that Jesus was teaching his disciples and telling them, go and teach others to do likewise. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I can confess to you that this tends to be one of the biggest struggles I face as someone who truly desires to follow Jesus and truly desires to grow in my, my relationship with Him. And when you look at what Peter is, is referencing here, he's essentially he's talking about things in this world that tempt us, the passions that we used to give into when we lived in ignorance. But now that we've been shown the light, we're challenged not to go back to the very things that Christ has rescued us from. But let's be honest, every one of those things still tempt us, don't they? Those things still tempt us. That stuff is still out there. And, and, you know, you don't even have to go looking for it because it will do you the favor of coming to find you. It'll just come and find you. But gratefully, you know, we can look to the Lord and be grateful for for all that He's done for us because we have not been called to face those temptations in this world without His help. It's been said that temptation tends to fall into three primary categories, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So now we've been enlightened by the Holy Spirit to begin seeing those lusts and those boasts for what they really are. They make false promises that try to soothe our hearts when really all they're doing is those things are trying to destroy our lives. And in Christ, we can see this now. And so Peter is challenging us, listen, don't conform 
to the passions of your old nature. You're obedient children of God now. Don't be conformed to the passions that used to define your life when you, when you used to live in ignorance. Now, when we were living in that season, I doubt that we said to ourselves, I'm living in ignorance. You know, as you walked around in your day-to-day life, I doubt that you woke up every morning and said, it's another fine day to live in ignorance. You know, and when you look at, uh, you know, watch something on TV or watch something online or see, you know, different people that have platforms and in very big ways throughout the course of this world that are steering people in the wrong direction, I doubt that they wake up every day and think that they are living in ignorance. I think that they think that they are living enlightened lives. And here Peter, you know, he shows us the deceptiveness of sin where a person can go about their life thinking that they are so enlightened and so wise, and as they live their life apart from Christ, all they're doing is just living in perpetual ignorance. And he said, we did the same exact thing, but by the grace of Christ, we don't have to go back to that. You don't have to go back to that. I don't have to go back to that. I don't have to remain in ignorance. And that's the challenge is people are trying to live out our faith in Christ. That's one of the things Peter, who is a man of action, is trying to encourage us to understand. And I'm going to finish here with one last thought this morning. Because when you look at verses 15 to 17, there's one additional thing that I think we have time to look at today, and that's this. As an alternative to walking in ignorance, Peter encourages us here to be people who walk in spirit-empowered holiness. Look at what he says in verse 15 down to verse 17. This is where we'll wrap up today. He says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile." So what are we supposed to do? You know, as we look at a portion of Scripture like this, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to draw the line between the old life that we used to live and the new life that we've now been blessed with in Jesus Christ? Well, according to this passage, we're encouraged to walk in holiness just as Christ is holy. And the way we conduct ourselves in this world is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and reflective of Christ who has granted us His name, and has granted us a place in His family. And in a related way, we're encouraged here to conduct ourselves with a healthy form of fear as well. And I think it's helpful for you and for me to recognize that God the Father holds us accountable to Him. Each and every one of us are going to give an account for our lives, and He sees how we conduct ourselves, and He has the power to intervene in our day-to-day lives however He chooses to. How many of us can testify to the fact that we are grateful for God's gracious intervention in our lives. Can you testify to the fact that there are times in your life that you could see that God directly reached into your life and intervened? The older I get and the more I'm able to kind of recap some of my life story and just look at what God was doing, and now I get to see how some of those puzzle pieces fit over a longer stretch of time. I'm, I'm amazed at the times that I could look into my life and say, all right, Lord, it's very obvious to me that you directly intervened because I know where my heart was in that moment, and I know the direction that I was trying to take my life, and you prevented that and offered me an alternative, and I chose the alternative. And now I get to experience the blessings that you're allowing me to experience right now. God intervenes. He has the power to intervene, and He does so however He chooses, but He does so as a father caring for His children. And when you look at this portion of Scripture, we're cautioned to remember 
uh, that God can intervene at any time, partly so we'll, we'll learn to revere and respect Him, and also so that we'll be mindful not to take our lives in a direction that's in, the direct, that's in direct opposition to the will of God. Conversationally, I think all believers would probably admit that this is one of the primary goals that they have in their life. We would say at least verbally, whether we practice this or not is another thing, but I think verbally we would all say that one of our primary goals is that we want to walk in obedience to the Lord. That's something that if you're a professing believer, I would imagine, would come forth from your mouth in one way or another. I desire that. I think you desire that as well. But here, there's two very different ways believers have tried to, uh, tried to approach that objective. And one approach is damaging to your faith and your testimony, and the other approach is very helpful. And the difference between the two is the strength that you rely on for the help that you need. Meaning, if I say I want to live a life of obedience to Jesus Christ, and if I rely on my own strength to empower my obedience, here's what's going to happen to me. I'll become proud. I'll become a rule-keeping Christian who develops a pattern of looking down on others who don't keep my arbitrary standards, as well as I'm convinced I'm keeping my arbitrary standards. That's the fruit of trying to do all of this in your own strength. And I speak from experience because I've done that very thing without realizing I was doing it, relying on my own strength to try and be obedient to the Lord. And as a result, I found myself judging people by my own arbitrary standards, and it wasn't helpful to them, and it wasn't helpful to my own heart. And what also starts to happen is you begin to experience despair, particularly if you stumble in a particular area, because you don't know how to wrap your mind around that. You've been relying on your own strength, and then your strength is shown to be insufficient, and so you don't know how to wrap your mind around that concept. And another thing that starts to happen when you try to rely on your own strength to be obedient to Christ is you get to a spot where you become hesitant to confess your sin because it challenges your sense of identity to do so. If up to that point you've started to think of yourself as someone who can perfectly keep Christ's standard in your own strength, you won't confess sin because your whole, your whole sense of identity is wrapped up on your ability to keep a set of arbitrary rules that you've constructed for yourself, and you've convinced yourself that if you keep this arbitrary set, that that's what's going to bring pleasure to God. But that's not how it works. When you look at what Scripture actually teaches us, it teaches us that we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to work within us. And if we rely on the Holy Spirit to work within us, we're not going to develop an unhealthy degree of dependence on the flesh. We'll, main, we'll maintain hope in the midst of the struggles that we're experiencing. We'll be willing to confess our sins to the Lord because our sense of identity and our sense of well-being, it won't be anchored in our personal abilities. It won't be anchored in our self-reliance. And so when Peter's here talking about holiness, he's not talking about walking judgmental, arbitrary rule, um, you know, uh, condemnation toward others who don't keep your rule type of mindset. He's talking about walking in spirit-empowered holiness. So let me say this as we finish up today. If you're somebody like me who at times struggles with over-reliance on my own wisdom or strength, join me in confessing that to the Lord. Join me in repenting of that before the Lord, because that's something that leads to despair. 
It's, it's not very different from the ignorance we used to live in because we used to live in ignorance when we were relying on our flesh and then Christ rescued and saved us. And he didn't rescue and save us so we could continue to rely on our flesh on this side of that line. At this point now, you and I, if we trusted in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has taken residence within us and he empowers us and he gives us guidance and he gives us counsel. And he's with you right now to empower you to do exactly what he's calling you to do. He's not calling you to rely on your flesh. He's not calling you to rely on your own strength. He's calling on you to rely on his power and strength in the midst of every context he places you in and every circumstance you find yourself in and every moment you need wisdom and every moment you need motivation. He's calling you to rely on him. And it's such a relief when we finally get to the spot where we say, okay, I think that's what I'll do. I'll rely on you. I tried to get myself so far and it didn't work. And here you are lifting me up, Lord. I'll rely on you. So as we wrap up today, I just want to pray for us that that would be something that the Lord empowers us to do and that that would be something that we learn to value as his children. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be able to look at your word together and to be able to think about the things that you've communicated to us in it. And Lord, we recognize that one of the things that we struggle as your children is an over-reliance on our flesh. We over-rely on ourselves. We over-rely on our old wisdom and our own wisdom and, and uh, the things that, that at one point we used to value when we lived in ignorance. But now, through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, you've opened our eyes. You've enabled us to see things that we couldn't see before. We no longer need to live the old life. We no longer need to give in to the passions of the flesh or the mindset that we used to embrace. You've made us a new creation in you. You empower us with your spirit. You give us wisdom, and you help us to draw that line and to live on the right side of that line as we seek to follow you. But again, Lord, we pray that we would rely on your strength and your power so that you would be the one that receives the glory in the midst of it. Lord, we don't want the glory. Help us not to want the glory. Help us to want to give you the glory in the amazing work you've been doing in our lives and you continue to do in our lives right now. So by your grace, we pray that you'd empower us today to walk in spirit-empowered holiness and to give you the honor that you deserve. We're grateful, Lord, for your love and for the new life you've blessed us with and help us to live it out today for your glory. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.